Well, we're in the second week of a message series called Shift, and as I said last week, the idea for this series came from a book that our district superintendent gave each of the churches last fall at our charge conference, and her hope was that uh, the lay leader would read it, pass it on to the next person, and it would get passed around and everybody would read it, and especially the leadership, uh, since that's a very slow process. Um, and because the ideas in the book are worth thinking about and implementing, I decided to do a series on the topics in the book. And the book talks about five important shifts that every church can make that will help it to be more effective in not only connecting with um, people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, but then growing them up to um, maturity in Christ. And last week I talked about the shift from... Um, Fellowship to hospitality. And this shift um, involves the church recognizing our tendency to um, enjoy fellowship with one another over and above uh, implementing and planning to welcome and make newcomers feel welcome. Uh, So I was wondering, have you ever walked into a restaurant and when you go through the door, a restaurant you've never been to, you go through the door and you discover that there's no host or hostess there and there's not one of those signs that tells you whether or not to be seated or, you know, to seat yourself. Or, and you just stand there and you feel kind of awkward, don't you? And, and the people that are seated look at you and that makes it even more awkward because you know they have information that you need, but they're not sharing it with you. <laughs> Nobody is like saying go sit down or you know they just look at you like you dummy and so you're just standing there kind of awkward waiting and hoping that someone on staff will notice you and welcome you uh, tell you what to do and that's very much the same feeling that people have when they come through the door of the church and you know if no one greets them or there's no signs that tell them where to go or what to do next and so the shift from fellowship to hospitality is a shift that of our focus um, on ourselves and you know being comfortable in our own space and with each other to understanding what it is like to come into a building for the first time and, and to uh, implement some things to welcome people and make them feel welcomed and comfortable. So last week we talked about some steps that we can take to do that, and I'm not going to go back through those again. You can listen to that message online. Um, This week we're looking at the second shift in the book, and that's a shift from seeing worship as an event, uh, like a worship service on Sunday morning, to to seeing worship as a lifestyle. We, We were made to worship, but I think our definition or our understanding of what constitutes worship is often much more limited and narrow than what we find in Scripture. Uh, In Scripture, we find this picture of worship as something that is much more dynamic and spontaneous than we typically think of when we think of worship. And, of course, they had the temple worship and all of that where they came in and experienced the majesty and, and glory of God. But in Scripture, we see over and over this wonderful God who chooses to reveal himself and amazingly overwhelming ways and in many cases 
uh, in such astounding ways that the response is the people just fall face down and worship him. If you think about the Red Sea, uh, for example, when, when, they, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and God parted the waters and they went across on dry land and then they turned around to see the waters come over and engulf their enemies and, and they were rescued. You know, they broke out in a worship service right there on the bank of the river uh, of the Red Sea and Miriam and all of them were singing and worshiping God. In, in scripture, worship isn't limited to the confines of a building, and it isn't limited to, limited to a prescribed order. You know, that's all planned out. First, we're going to have the introit, and then we'll have the announcements, and then the hymn, and uh, so on. People don't even always break out in song <laughs> when they worship. Well, all of that is worship. Worship isn't meant to be so much um, just an event one day a week. Because God is worthy of worship in every moment. We don't want to limit worship to Sunday morning. We need to make this shift in our understanding of what worship is. And for some, you know, I understand that this isn't as big a shift as it is for others. You're already doing the things that we're going to be talking about this morning. But we can all be more aware of the opportunities that God gives us to worship him. Uh, every day, throughout the week, every week, every, every year of our lives. So go ahead if you uh, are inclined to take notes and pull out your message notes. We're going to talk about three steps that we can take towards a lifestyle of worship. And before we do that, you'll see at the top of your notes there uh, a definition of worship. The Bible doesn't define worship. There's no definition of worship. It just gives us examples over and over of what it looks like. And the dictionary definition of worship kind of leaves you uninspired, I guess. Uh, It is to render religious reverence and homage to a deity. But I think that the definition that Louis Giglio gives in his book, The Air I Breathe, is more helpful to us. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, and corporate means in a group like this, to God for he, who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way that we live. So it's a response to who we understand God to be. It's expressed in the way that we live our lives. When God reveals to you who he is, and when you realize what he's done for you, especially in Jesus Christ, then the natural response is going to be worship. And I think this is the starting point for understanding what worship is, that God initiates worship. And he initiates worship by revealing himself to us. And then when God reveals himself to us, we respond. Our response is worship. If, if you see or hear about Christ on the cross and you just walk away with no response, then you haven't worshipped. 
God is worthy of worship. And, and the more that we grasp his greatness, his power, his love, his character, the better we can worship him. So how do we make this shift to a lifestyle of worship? Well, the first thing that we can do is and need to do is to make room in your life to listen to and experience God during the week. You know, uh, like Forrest was talking about with the kids, if it's just a Sunday morning thing, it doesn't stick. Uh, In seminary, our worship professor described worship as call and response. In the worship service, we hear God speak to us through the songs, through prayers, through the message, and then we're left with this question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what you've heard? What are you going to do about what you've experienced? And our response is an act of worship. That's why I always put responses on the back of the connection card to help you to respond what you've, to what you've heard in worship. Because until you respond, you haven't worshipped. And it may not be that you would respond in the way that you'll find on the back of the card, but God speaks to our hearts in worship. He's teaching us to love one another and how to live together as the body of Christ. He urges us to forgive uh, through the songs, through the prayers. He urges us to accept his forgiveness. His spirit convicts us when we've done something to damage the body of Christ or to hurt someone. He talks to us about the way we treated our spouse that morning on the way to church. And, or he encourages us to pursue the dream that he's planted in our life. Or he may plant a dream in your life in worship. God speaks in worship, so we need to make room in our life for this corporate group kind of worship to listen and experience God together. But worship doesn't end when you leave the building. Worship continues when you go out to do something about what you have heard. God doesn't stop speaking when you leave on Sunday morning. To make a lifestyle of worship, it requires that we make time in our day and our week to listen to God and to respond throughout the week, to set apart time to read your Bible, to set apart time for prayer and to listen, to set apart time for God. And then the second thing that will lead to a lifetime of worship, lifestyle of worship, is to tune into the Holy Spirit's promptings to praise and worship God during the week. Spontaneous worship should rise up and spill out of our hearts when we see God at work in our lives throughout the week. You know, if you think about the stories in the New Testament, that um, worship was often a spontaneous response to something that Jesus did or who Jesus was. When Jesus, when Jesus told Peter, James, and John, you know, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they did that. And they pulled up this, you know, load of fish that was such a big catch that it was about to sink their boat. And when they last flipped, the flo- uh, fish stopped flipping and flopping around. Uh, and Peter looked at Jesus and realized who he was and what had happened. It says he fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Uh, if you think about the ten lepers who were healed, Jesus said, go off and uh, tell the authorities 
uh, what has happened to you. And as they're going, you know, and they're laughing and running and jumping up and down as they watch each other's noses grow back into place and the little nibs of fingers uh, are restored to full hands and, and their white ashy skin that was falling off is restored to pink fullness and, and um, health. One of them realizes what has happened to him and who Jesus really is. And he turns around and he goes back to Jesus and he high fives him and he says, well done. Right? <laughs> oh. Look at Luke seventeen sixteen. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice so you can hear him all the way back. Hallelujah. Amen. I, you know, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Spontaneous worship broke out. And another occasion um, when Jesus' disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. And it was about to swamp them. They thought that they were done for. They were going to perish. But they look up and here comes Jesus. He's walking on the water. And he comes and he gets in the boat. And he speaks to the wind and the waves. And he says, be still. And everything is calm. The water is like glass. And they look around in that stillness. And they look at Jesus. And they fall down at his feet and they worship him. I love the words to that song that we uh, played in worship uh, a few months ago during communion. Let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. The waves and wind still know his name. He still calms storms and moves mountains. He's worthy of worship. God is so good to us, and every day we're surrounded by the beauty of his creation. Um, Many of you have children and grandchildren that he's blessed you with. We have reasons to praise God daily. We don't have to wait till Sunday to sing to him, to pause and to thank him for who he is and what he's done. You know, if you read the the Psalms, you find that David, the author of the Psalms, uh, he was continually offering up praise to God because he recognized who God was and what he had done for them. An example is in Psalm 13, 6, where he says, I sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Has God been good to you? <laughs> when you see the sunset or the frosty pattern on the window, when a grandchild calls or your teen texts and says, Mom, I love you. You know, those are all opportunities to give God thanks and to worship his goodness. When you get up in the morning and you're still breathing, (laughs) your arms and legs still move after a while. (laughs) There's a a pot of coffee on the horizon. Praise God, for he has been good to you. He is worthy of praise. And every day is a reason to worship, to, to tune in to those opportunities to respond. You know, don't let them go unnoticed. Worship God. Worship him daily. And then the third step that we can take to make the shift, shift to worship as a lifestyle is to recognize the opportunities every day to worship God through our action. 
we think of worship as singing and you know praying and being here in this room together but the real test of worship is not what happens on Sunday but what happens at home and on the job and wherever you go do you understand who God is and what he's done fully enough to have it impact the way that you live your life every day Uh, this is our memory verse this morning let's read it together Romans 12 1 therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Romans 12, 1. In view of God's mercy, in view of all that God has done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. When you choose to follow God's way and live as he taught you to live daily, You're offering up your life as a living sacrifice to God. Paul says that that is a spiritual act of worship. Um, There's a sense in which every decision that you make to live as Jesus taught is an act of worship. And, you know, I like um, the way this verse reads in the message paraphrase of the Bible. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, because we can't do any of this on our own. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. The way that we choose to live our ordinary eating, sleeping, walking around life can be placed before God as an offering. And, you know, the author of this book gives some examples of the way that that will look as we worship God throughout the week. But um, some of the ways that some of the acts of worship are in the way that we use our time. The way that you choose to use your time to, you know, uh, go and visit somebody that's in the hospital rather than sitting with your feet up and watching the TV that night or whatever, or the way that you use the resources that God's given you is an act of worship. The focus that you put on loving your spouse and your family, you know, giving up the remote once in a while, (laughs) those kinds of things, those can all be acts of worship. The way that you interact with a difficult person, um, during those four or five phone calls I made to FedEx and... (laughs) (laughs) The printing company. I was like, okay, God, I'm preaching it. I'm offering it up as an act of worship. It didn't get my business cards to me, but but uh, I felt better about myself and my uh, relationship with God. The priority you place on spending time with God, the faithfulness and following through on your commitments, all of those things are acts of worship. And when we do that, we are showing our obedience and our love for God. And this really expands our picture of worship, doesn't it? Because then in whatever you do, uh, it can be offered up as like laying down your life before God, as an offering before God. 
and his worship. God isn't uh, so impressed with our lip service on Sunday if we don't follow it up with our actions on Monday. Our praises are empty if they aren't followed up. And worship requires something from us. And what it requires is obedience. Um, John fourteen twelve, Jesus says this, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. My Father will love him who loves me, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then he goes on in uh, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey me. Love and obedience are tied together, and actions speak louder than words. Our worship in an all-knowing, all-loving God on Sunday uh, shouldn't end with the benediction. As we go out, we continue our worship throughout the week as we respond to what we've heard and experience of God in worship. And here's what I found, that the more that I go out and respond to what I've heard and then experience God and worship Him throughout the week, the more ready I am to come back in and honor Him and worship Him. And it's just kind of a growing uh, appreciation and love for God. We were never meant to fulfill this supernatural call and purely natural ability. Um, You will not make it. But if you will take God at his word, if you'll live in his presence, live a life of love, and respond to his voice, then you will live a life of worship as you're continually renewed and strengthened by God's spirit and his word. Would you pray with me? Father, uh, you are so worthy of worship. And we thank you for gathering us together again to give us an opportunity to together say, God, you're good, and we thank you, we worship you, we praise you. And I pray that as we go out from here, God, you would help us to be more aware of our opportunities to lift up our voices, to to sing your praises, to give you thanks, to honor you with our lives as we worship you in the way that we live out what you've given us and taught us about yourself. I thank you for this church, Lord, and I pray for your presence with each one of us as we go from here, that we might be a living offering to you. In Jesus' name, amen.